This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to episode number 57 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. Man, today we have a special guest that I've been looking forward to for months now. And finally, we got this person on our podcast. But before I let you listen to the sit-down interview I have with this person, I want to thank all of you. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in from whichever platform you're tuning in, especially uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, you know, iHeartRadio, and especially the CWR Network, who are officially our sponsors for this podcast, man. Uh, this person is very somebody I've looked up to over the years. Somebody who's been uh, a personality on TV. But like I said, man, I, I don't want to give it all away. So let's just get right into it. Today I have somebody that I've been looking forward on getting on this podcast. A lot of you have asked for her as well. So it's such a great privilege to have her today on the Statman Sports Podcast. This is a person that you guys know. She's been on ESPN. She's an ESPN personality. She has her own podcast called Spain and Company, airing weeknights on national ESPN radio. She also hosts That's What She Said podcast, and she's also a writer for ESPNW.com. And also, she's a regular panelist lately, if you haven't been paying attention. She is on Around the Horn and also on Highly Questionable. And from time to time, she's a Sports Center reporter. But most importantly, with all the credentials she has, she is the best person on Twitter to cast away the trolls. Sarah Spain, <laughs> welcome. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. You know, like I told you off off air recording that you know I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast because I I admire your work. I appreciate everything you do at ESPN and how you express your voice. So, like I said in your Thank introduction, you. I I really want to know, Sarah. How do how do you deal with the trolls online? Why <laughs> why do you engage with these people? But well, so I don't know if you've heard of the writer Lindy West. Um, she actually used to write for Jezebel Forever, and now she writes all over the place and has authored a couple books and uh, is now does a TV series on Hulu. But I think she kind of nailed it early on, and I found that um, a lot of what she said about dealing with the trolls was sort of the way I felt as well, which is the temptation is to just never respond, and that's what people always say, you know, don't feed the trolls, don't respond. But it's really difficult for you to get hundreds sometimes a day of awful comments and just be expected to digest them and take them all in and not respond. And so I think that there's an understanding that every once in a while you want to clap back, whether it's being funny or serious. Um, sometimes I think certain people are expressing opinions that are kind of common, unfortunately, or you've heard it a number of times. So you just pick one of them and you use it to respond so that Anybody who's kind of in the middle, maybe hasn't figured out their opinion or is thinking the same thing but would never write it, gets to hear why that is wrong or incorrect or bad or rude or whatever, or stereotypical right. or damaging to, to whatever. So that's usually what I respond with is either just cracking a joke at their expense mm -hmm. or really responding genuinely to something that I think everybody else should see. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I'm just, I, sometimes I genuinely write back to people, you know, that's that's a weird response to me, like writing about football. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think you're probably going through something. You know, I hope right. it gets better. Like, because anyone who's happy and satisfied and and you know, in a good spot is probably not sending people those kind of messages. Um, so I kind of just balance. I think the one thing for people to know is 
they are seeing the smallest, like when I respond to someone, I've probably already muted and blocked 25 people oh, before wow. I even got to that. So like you're seeing me respond to one out of like a hundred assholes or jerks, <laughs> I should say. Right. So, you know, I think that's the thing people need to remember is like, you maybe only see that response, but you don't know how often me and other people are just ignoring or moving past the other ones. Right. And that's amazing to know, you know, because I, I've, again, I'm from the outside looking in, I, you know, I follow you on Twitter. Most of my listeners do as well. And they always talk about, you know, that the funny, like you just explained, you, you put somebody out there, Hey, they wrote Sarah. Uh, in the mention so you decided hey i'm gonna put you on blast and sometimes right. we appreciate that because some of us like you said some of us just block them we don't even respond but sometimes you have to put those people in their place but totally. to me to me that's the most amazing thing you do on twitter because i'm like man <laughs> so how does sarah take the time with everything she has going on to respond to these people <laughs> you know but but it's an amazing thing but sarah i want to transition into this you 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 talked about and mentioned how you deal with you know these trolls people that you don't even know how how does that translate to you, right, into becoming the type of personality you are at ESPN and in the sports industry altogether? What what was your role? What was your obstacles in order for you to get where you are today? Because that's something I, I know everybody will want to know. Yeah, I mean, I think um, some of the stuff you have to deal with online kind of mirrors uh, reality in the sports world for a lot of women, this idea that you have to push pack, past expectations that, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't really care about sports. You just want to hook up with athletes. You slept your way to the top. All the mm-hmm. stereotypes that you hear. Um, you know, growing up, I was an athlete. I went to an Ivy League school. I'm six feet tall. I've always been able to go toe-to-toe, whether it's, you know, hustling dudes in Papa Shot at the bar for money or, you know, hanging out or wanting to play in the turkey bowl instead of watch. You know, that's always mm-hmm. just been who I am. And I, I was sort of raised to not really get it in terms of, like, believing that women would be held back and so it was a kind of a rude wake-up call when I decided to get into sports as a career and I realized that a lot of the stuff that gets talked about is legit it's real you know there's there's really um, issues in terms of uh, older male reporters who don't want the business to change or have a diversity of voices coaches athletes people who work at teams etc so you know there's a lot of that especially early on and I think the key is that once you push through some of it and you have enough success to have a voice and, and some agency, you then mm-hmm. use it to try to change things. And so while Twitter can be just an echo chamber and social media isn't always effective, I do think there are ways in my writing, in the pieces that I do, even in the TV stuff, um, to continue to try to open doors and to make it less weird or noticeable when a woman is doing her job. I mean, I've already noticed just in the time that I've been in the business how much of a change has occurred in terms of women being like opinion givers and analysts instead of just hosts who set things up and in terms of, you know, people's expectations for women in the industry, which is great. Right. And, and you know, and, and like, I, like I've said earlier, and I also appreciate, you know, you being genuine about this and something that you just mentioned, where I in your introduction, I mentioned that you have the podcast and I'm sure the listeners know that that's what she said podcast. Is that one of the reasons why you came up with this name or was this a name already given or something that you just came up with? Uh, yeah, it was just to play off the office and Michael Scott. It felt like um, you know, most of the sports podcasts and, and, and especially when I started it out there were, were male based and so it just felt like a, a kind of a pun and a spin on the idea of it being a woman talking and then also just uh, probably a hint at the sarcasm and the personality of the person behind the podcast. Right. Uh, uh, referencing the Michael Scott line. So that was a, that was where that came from. Yeah, and you know, for you listeners, you're listening right now. If you haven't started listening to this podcast, I would please 
please do anything you do in a day please go listen to that's what she said because sarah is amazing on that podcast and speaking of amazing sarah Thank you. on highly questionable i love that show as well it's one <laughs> of the shows i have to watch lately yourself mina kimes and katie nolan was doing like, you guys were the panelists on the show right yeah and i liked the the flow of the show is it is this something that you aspire? I would say I want to ask you now. Do you something that you aspire to do as your own show in the future? Because I see something there. I, you guys have an amazing chemistry together <laughs> on TV. It's funny. A lot of people said that after those couple episodes where we were all on, like, this needs to be a show, which is so nice to hear and great feedback. And especially considering what we were just talking about, the idea of people, instead of complaining about seeing women on a show, mostly being really positive about it is a great turn of events compared to you know, even just uh, several years ago. Um, I don't know. We all have a lot of jobs, right? Katie's got her own show mm -hmm. uh, late night on ESPN on Thursday night. Um, and Mina's got the daily and her writing uh, for dot com and stuff. So um, I've got a radio show, a podcast, a column, all that stuff. So um, I would love to keep working with them. And we really enjoy working together. But mm -hmm. um, not as of now. There's no there's no official talks or any breaking news I can give on, on anything like that. But it, it would sure be fun. Yes, it would be, man. That, that was so amazing, the episodes that I watched. You guys crack jokes on each other, you know, and, and it's fun to watch because, at, you know, as a sports person, I haven't been on this earth long enough. I'm only 34, but from the time I've been watching sports, it's it's almost like you see the same things over. You want to hear new voices, and you guys, right. bring, you guys bring that new voice, and you also bring that perspective that sometimes, if I could be bluntly, sometimes we as men see things a certain way. And when when women explain certain situations and certain things that happen in sports world from the perspective, it's it's refreshing to hear, you know, and, and it's yeah. something that I appreciate. Yeah, I think a diversity of voices is always useful just to hear different people's experiences and different jokes and where they come from and how they view things. And then I think the key to that is like we all get along really and, and genuinely like each other. And then mm -hmm. that makes it more comfortable and fun to watch because, you know, we're all messing with each other and, you know, that we all get along. Yes, absolutely. Sarah, now I, 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 I know you're a Chicago native. And I know a lot of people want to hear this. And it's something I want to know as well. The Chicago Bears QB situation. What is going on there, Sarah? What, what is going on with your Bears? Because you know... God, I wish I could tell you, man. What a mess. Um, well, I do believe that Mitchell Trubisky's hip was hurting. And that's why he came out of the game against the Rams at the end. I don't think that there's any reason why Matt Nagy would create a massive PR storm for himself having mm -hmm. to deal with, you know, why would you pull him? Is he your starter anymore? You know, what was that a message? I think he genuinely was struggling to c complete his passes and, and was hurting. And that's the reason that Chase Daniel came in for a couple plays. Chase Daniel is a fine backup. He is not really an improvement from Mitchell, especially after last week when I know it was the Lions and they had a backup a quarterback, but you know, he still had a 130 passer rating and three touchdowns and, you know, completed some good passes mm -hmm. to guys in stride. Um, I think that you've seen some little bits of stepping forward. I don't think there was any reason, especially in a season like they're having where they're not playoff bound, to put someone like Chase Daniel in. you got to see what you can get out of Mitch. I, I think I know I don't really want to go through another season with him as the quarterback. I also mm -hmm. understand that there are some talented guys who have taken a while to catch up and that he has a very limited uh, because he had so few starts at the collegiate level as well. Um, but I wonder if he just would be a good backup and go out into free agency and find the best quarterback you can get in free agency um, because we're certainly, the Bears are not equipped to get anybody via trade. 
They've mm-hmm. given away so many pieces in recent, um, you know, in the Khalil Mack trade and with Mitch and everything, uh, so that they might have to just pick a, a player that's that they're willing to pay in order to get. Um, it's it's a it's a mess. It's really disappointing because they were so bad for that long stretch, that couple of years that you know having having the ability to make a top three pick and botching it it can set you back forever. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, uh, to me, I found it interesting that you know. To be to be in a podcast because I really wanted to get your perspectives on that because being someone who is actually a fan of the team because I don't know many Chicago Bears fans I'm I'm a Packers fan and wow. so to me I always want to see the Bears fail but to me <laughs> if I look at it on a neutral span- standpoint you know my podcast is pretty young still I try to look at things neutrally I say to myself wait a minute what does Chicago really need to be successful you would think you know at the beginning of the season everyone was talking about maybe the Chicago Bears would represent the NFC to go to the Super Bowl because the defense right. was just that great so you looking at it as a fan right what what do you think your team needs in order for them to make it to that level to win gosh i mean at this point i think we've probably seen enough out of our gm and ryan pace to believe that he might not be the best talent uh uh, advisor someone who's not able to look into and to make the moves in the draft that are necessary he, you know, he. There was a, a good piece by Dan Weeder about the process of choosing Mitch over, say, Mahomes and Watson and and uh, McCaffrey. And you know, I, I like the idea that Pace believed that if you really want something, you go and get it, and you're invested in it. But he chose wrong, and not just with Mitch. There's just been, you know, since Pace took over, and I wanted to have faith in him. Um, he just hasn't been able to to prove himself worthy. And I think that's the biggest change. You need to be able to make good on those high draft picks and in free agency, and uh, and he hasn't. Um, so I, I think the, the change needs to probably needs to probably come there. I'm not I'm not out on Matt Nagy yet. I realize that he's been disappointing, but you mm-hmm. know, AP Coach of the Year last year was very creative. You know, I, I think he can get guys motivated. I think he just needs the people to work with, and and he hasn't really had that. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, again, a fresh perspective and Chicago Bears fans do not fear. Right. Sarah right. Spencer, you'll be okay. Listen, we have to be envious of you all the time every year because you got a quarterback. <laughs> and um, if you look at the teams that are consistently good year after year, it's ones mm-hmm. that have a good quarterback. So. But don't tell anybody though. Those. Don't tell anybody. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> I wish I had your defense though. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Hey, listen. If it was if it was the Bears defense and and Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Might feel a lot better about my team. Exactly. So that's what we're, speaking about quarterback, Sarah. You saw what happened this weekend. I'm sure everybody saw what happened with Miles Garrett and uh, Mason Rudolph. What is your perspective yeah. on that? Do you, do you think that was acceptable? Was it something that was warranted that amount of games that Miles Garrett got? Well, how do you see this playing out eventually? Because we know the suspensions came down, but what is going on there? How do you see this? Yeah, I mean, I think the suspensions felt right. There's obviously no excuse for it. I do think that, um, you know, I was talking to Dominique Foxworth, who works with me over at ESPN, former NFL player, and he said, I don't know how to word it so that people get that I'm not saying it's okay, but that they understand that every couple of years we see something like this because the NFL is essentially a sport in which everything is solved with violence. Right, right. right. The whole sport is about tackling and, and, and being more manly and stronger and faster and, and, and winning the fight. And so occasionally that's going to spill out into the moments when, when, it's, when it's not supposed to. And it doesn't make it okay. I think, in fact, in something like football, when there's an inherent danger on every play, like a mm-hmm. true risk of, of death or very serious injury, 
there needs to be such a respect for the opponent and the people on the field with you that you don't put them at any more danger than the sport itself requires. And I think that that's why moments like that stand out in such stark contrast to the approved violence of the sport is mm -hmm. that you can't then have someone respecting that you're both on the field uh, abiding by the rules that keep you there and have somebody go rogue. Um, I, and so I've always had a major issue with, with guys who lose control in that way. I get it. I, I don't think it's assault, right? I don't think it goes to the level that people said of, of calling the police or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there needs to be such aggressive punishments that it's always in the back of someone's head and they're never going to forget or lose control and not re realize the, 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 the potential accountability that, the, that there is. So I think they got it right. Um, I, I think maybe Mason Rudolph could have been suspended a game for you know pulling on the helmet, whatever. But I do think if that was an event independent of what it resulted in, mm -hmm. uh, it would probably just be a fine. And so that, that feels more appropriate. Um, if he was messing with, with Miles Garrett's helmet after a, a prolonged sack and like laying on him, I think uh, it probably would not have been a suspension if not for all the other stuff that went down. So I think the NFL got it right. Yeah, because I, I, I was one of the few people who thought that. I didn't think Miles Garrett reacted that way just because, you know, Mason was just trying to put his helmet off. Because, again, we we can't really, at least for me, I can't read any lips. For, but watching the play live, I was saying to myself, wait a minute. Somebody just don't pull your helmet off and then want to hit you with the helmet just because they're mad at you. You know, so I was thinking along the lines of Mason probably said something to him. Oh, he did something that we didn't see. And that's yeah, why you know, Miles reacted like that. that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said that. I'm not going to go out on a limb and assume that when we haven't heard it from right. anybody legit. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, that was so unlike Miles Garrett. But mm -hmm. he had a late penalty on Trevor Simeon that took him out. He had a uh, punching of Delaney Walker earlier this season. Yes, like, he did. Miles Garrett is not someone who is totally immune. So to me, uh, listen, I am I'm 100 percent here for accountability if someone's words or or actions are otherwise, you know, uh, provocative. But. I just don't think we have any evidence of that. I think that just felt like what what would be a good excuse uh, for an, a behavior like that. And sometimes that behavior is just, you know, I tackled you, I was lying on you, you were messing with my helmet, I didn't like how you messed with it. Then I felt ganged up on because there were three of you. So now I'm just swinging wildly, um, mm -hmm. not considering my actions. Um, you know, I just, I haven't seen anyone follow up with any conversation or proof of that Mason Rudolph. Uh, said anything beyond just you know the scuffle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I just mentioned this was in our conversation here because I'm saying to myself, hey, if I'm I'm outside looking in, that's what I thought because I'm trying to be very right. rational. I wouldn't fight nobody or take hit them with a helmet if they didn't do anything. You know, that's what that's why why rationale was. But like you said, we have no proof that anyone yeah. said anything, so we just got to go. But what what it is? Speaking of such, Colin Kaepernick again this weekend. He became the big news, big headline. And I want to know from you, Sarah, do you think Colin Kaepernick really just cut himself out now forever from the NFL with what happened this weekend? Man, it's so hard to break down this whole situation. There's so many angles on it. Uh, first, I'll say that I did not think that the interview part of it was handled as best he could have if his goal was to to find his way onto a team. I agree. But that, that frustration that he spoke with probably had bubbled over from the stupidity of the, the, the workout being set up on short notice, originally being denied media, being asked to sign a waiver that was completely inappropriate and would have 
basically protected the league and everybody who attended from accountability for how the workout went down and how it was represented. I think that that's the problem is that by the time he got to talking about it, um, he was so frustrated with how everything went down that the words that he used and the way he spoke made him seem like he still would not just fit in, at, presumably as a backup quarterback somewhere and be a good soldier. And that's right. what everyone's been afraid of all along. I just think the idea that the NFL would feel the necessity to put on this workout instead of teams calling him directly for a workout, then request mm-hmm. that he sign a waiver, uh, basically preventing any future demands, actions, causes of action, suits, grievances, losses, expenses, damages, all this stuff, um, is basically the NFL doing a CYA. Like, you can't, there is no double jeopardy for something like collusion. So if he wanted to argue yet again, against the NFL that there was collusion at place, he could do that and he could attempt to win another lawsuit. So if they're worried about that happening, then they try to get him to sign this thing. And then he basically agrees to a workout at the last minute at a facility with a waiver that says nothing bad can happen, even if he's totally misrepresented with no media to cover it to get out Mm -hmm. with the same exact people that have been blackballing him for years. So why would he trust that that's a system that's going to result in something positive for him? So I understand him wanting to move it, wanting to have some agency over it, wanting to be a little bit more in control of it. The only problem is, is that the result is that both sides can now sit back and, and say either the NFL screwed this up, you know, they, they were wrong, they were wronging him from the beginning and this wasn't any better, or it's clear he never really wanted to play anyway, this was all a joke, and that's why he, he didn't have it in the same place that they requested and moved the, you know. So, no, I don't, in the end, I don't think that the result's going to be him on a team. But mm-hmm. I also don't think it's as simple as saying that he sabotaged his, his choices with, with his decisions. I think this was, as many pointed out from the beginning, uh, it looked like a trap almost or at least a setup for a failure from the beginning because the way the NFL handled it. Yeah, this, this this to me, this whole scenario since three years ago, it almost became, it can be its own 30 for 30, really, if we think about it, you know, and, and it's something that for sure. I, I agree with you, it's, even when I saw the news and I read about it, I'm like, hmm, this is this sounds kind of fishy to me. Like, why would he want to do all this just for a workout? You know, why can't it just be teams just call him in, he just works out. If they don't like him, then go away. You know, but so many takes and so many things. But again, you brought to light something that's very important. You know, it, the frustration, I think, is what boiled over for him. He's try, he was trying to be quiet all these years, not to say anything, I'm sure, with the help and... um advisement of lawyers and people but you could tell in that interview where he was saying look i'm tired of this i just want to do my thing and if i get a job then yes let's move on you know but it just seemed all messed up to me and i personally think it it's i think he still has a slight chance but it looks like it might be over maybe but yeah it still has to play yeah. out still Feels has to like play out. for sure yeah so sarah look, i want i know i know a lot of times when I've heard you interview in different places. People ask you about your work and, you know, what you do just at ESPN and in the sports world. But to, to me, I, I try to get more personal with people, you know. And I'm sure the listeners will want to know, Sarah, how do you balance your personal life with what goes on at work? Because as you yourself mentioned and as I read the credentials, which you listeners can also go to her website, sarahspain.com, and see she has a lot going on. So, Sarah, how do you mm-hmm. really balance your, your time, you know, at home with what's going on at ESPN and everywhere else? I'm working on it. I'm still trying to find a balance. 
Uh, I need to say no more often. I have problems saying no. Um, and uh, I do enjoy the work I do, and I enjoy talking to people and helping out with charitable stuff and, and whatever else. So I'm not very mm-hmm. good at relaxing, which is fine. I don't need to relax that much. I can I can go out with friends and hang out with my husband and do charitable stuff when I'm not working. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – the nice thing about being in Chicago and not maybe in Bristol is that even though I work a ton, when I'm done with work, I'm like, you know, by my friends and family and mm-hmm. get scheduled to do fun stuff, you know, when I'm not working. Um, whereas I think it's harder if you're like right where ESPN is at any second they could call and ask, oh, can you come back to the office? Can you do X or Y? Um, and then I think also being a, being a college athlete, I just have always had to be a really good planner, really right. good time manager. So like everything is very organized and you know, I've got everything slotted and it's time. So when someone's late or messes something up, I'm like, ah, my Jenga. You messed up my day's <laughs> Jenga. Like I consider my day like a Jenga puzzle where I have to get everything fitted just right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I think I also just thankfully am a really naturally happy, grateful person. So even in moments where I'm like stressed or busy, I try to say this is, you know, five years ago, I would have been so excited to have this many shows to do or to have, you know, this stuff going on. So um, I, think it, I think a lot of balance is just, making sure you're ambitious while also being very grateful for the present and what you already have so that you're not always just working to move on to the next thing. Right. And, you know, and I appreciate that type of advice because I know a lot of listeners, cause I, I've had, I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you before, but I've had Jay Harris on the podcast and nice. um, Tony Collins as well. And they both spoke about something you just said. It's, it's all about trying to, you know, be in the moment, try to appreciate yeah. what you have now because you don't know, who might come take your job or you don't know what might happen to you physically at some point in your life that, you know, things are not going to go the way you see them. So you try to enjoy yourself right now. So I know people would appreciate that type of advice because a lot of us, as you know, we live in an era now where everything's just fast paced, you know, tweeting 140 characters, everybody's just trying to do everything quickly and nobody sits and reflects. So it's, I know I personally appreciate that advice you just gave because sometimes I'm in that mode as well. Work, 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 work. I don't want to do anything else and I don't need right. to relax. Right. Well, and it's, it's not just about, it's about one being grateful for what you already have and working mm-hmm. really hard and, and not always being ready to like, I need a new promotion. I need a new job. I need the next thing. But also in being realistic about, like you just mentioned, everybody's like on social media, seeing that everybody else is only putting a very like, um, edited version of what's going on in their lives on their Instagram and their Facebook and their Twitter and whatever. So, you know, you, you need to learn to presume that everybody has the same issues and they get tired and, and stressed and overwhelmed and sad and whatever else. And so, you know, don't, don't look out at everybody else and wish you had what they had. Um, because I think that that kind of like life FOMO that is only increasing with social media makes it really hard for people to be proud of the things that they've earned and, and what they're doing for themselves. Gotcha. Sarah, before I let you go though, I play this game with all my with all my guests, and you're going to have to okay. play it too. All right? First question. This is the boat question. Everybody loves the boat question. If you're on a boat and a boat is sinking, who's most likely to save you? I'm going to give you two names. Jay Cutler or Rex Grossman? <laughs> oh. Uh, man, I never met Rex, but um, I, feel like, I feel like Jay Cutler is a little bit more outdoorsy. You know, mm-hmm. on his new show with Christine, Kristen Cavallari, he like is is enjoying doing like the, all the manly stuff. The, and so I feel like somehow Jay would save me. Also, Jay's a little bit taller and more recently in the league, mm-hmm. and so probably a little bit stronger and more fit than Rex, who's probably been crushing bottles of whiskey on uh, the <laughs> daily ever since he left. And I think Rex might be barely my height, so I'm gonna go Jay Cutler. 
All right, there you have it, my listeners. She said Jay Cutler. <laughs> so you know who it is. <laughs> so question number two. Question number two for you, sir. Here we go. Your favorite movie and your favorite sports movie. Oh, these are impossible. Um, well, I think my favorite sports movie is Caddyshack. It's okay. related, so I'm counting that. Because Caddyshack is up there among my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And so that would be that would be my favorite sports movie. Um, I mean, I would like to say stuff with Michael Jordan, like, but more of his documentaries, like Come Fly With Me, than like, the, you know, Space Jam, even though Space mm-hmm. Jam was good. Uh, I mean, so I'm going to go Caddyshack. And then my favorite movie of all time used to be Braveheart, but it's been like tainted by Mel Gibson being a bad dude. And so it's right. harder to watch it now. And like, so I would say Sleepless in Seattle is up there. Uh, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation is up there. Oh my goodness, National Lampoon! I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> oh, dude, Christmas Vacation, so good. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, so I, yeah, I like I like a lot of those. When, when Harry Met Sally, I love romantic comedies. So one of those would be good. I know. I, I know. By the time people listen to this podcast, they they are gonna start looking for these movies because a lot of them are old, <laughs> and a lot of listeners don't even have yep. no clue what they are. So yep. and that's fun. Last question for you, sir. Last question. It's my favorite question, actually. Hmm. Favorite candy? Snickers. Oh, Twizzlers. Oh, Twizzlers. Okay. Twizzlers. Snickers or what? Snickers or what? I was gonna say Snickers or Twix. Oh, Snickers for sure. Twix are good. But Snickers are by far the best chocolate, and uh, and then Twizzlers are the are the real jam. See, see, we can't we can't be friends no more. You said you said <laughs> no no no. Mm-mm. We can't be friends no more. You said Twizzlers, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Now I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but but Twizzlers Sarah, I appreciate I appreciate your time so much. I appreciate you opening up, being on the podcast with me once again. Thank you so much, and I appreciate sure. all the work you do for ESPN. Continue pushing on, and we will see you on Highly Questionable and everywhere. Awesome. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you so much, and I hope to do this again soon. Sounds good. All right, take care. Ah, we've come to the end of episode number 57 of the Statman Sports Podcast. Guys, man, now I can finally check this imaginary uh, thing off my bucket list, man. We had Sarah Spain on the podcast. We had many other people on here before. Jay Harris, Tony Collins, a good friend of mine now. And, of course, now... Uh, Sarah Spain an amazing feeling you know hard work pays off and uh, I've said to you guys before I'm trying to aim my way to get Stephen A. Smith on him but we'll see we're working our way to it but before I let you guys go if you already haven't hit that subscribe button you already know what the deal is just hit that subscribe button so you can tune in for the archive of episodes or upcoming episodes we're gonna have more personalities come on the podcast and I'm looking forward to present that to you guys also if you want to um read anything in regards to the podcast and what Sarah and I spoke about you can go to the website statmanpodcast.com and also for the store to buy your merchandise to support the sto- the, the, the podcast you can do that as well that's it for, for, that's it for this week's episode guys you already know what the deal is man Statman signing out baby thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast see you next time